Hello everyone, Pastor Marco here. Just want to welcome you to our podcast. We're glad to be able to share God's word with you. Want to let you know that we have a brand new website, newlifesouthcoast.com. It's a great place to stay connected and involved in the life of the church. Listen, if you live in the area, come check out one of our Sunday morning services, 9.30 or 11.30. It's a powerful time, and we also have kids' ministry for all ages. I believe this message is going to encourage you and challenge you today, but also make sure you share it with a friend who needs to hear the Word of God. Blessings. If you have your Bibles, you guys can turn me down a little bit. If you have your Bibles, would you open it to Matthew chapter 4? Matthew 4, I want to talk to you this morning about being students of life. It's back to school time. Doesn't mean you should stop learning because you're not in school. You should always learn. If you stop learning, you stop living. If you stop living, then you're dead. If you're dead, then what are you doing here this morning? Don't have a church full of zombies, walking dead people. You know, we have exciting people in this house. That's awesome. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. Matthew four eighteen says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. What I want to focus on is, 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 is the call of Jesus. He said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I want to, I want to break this into two parts. Come follow me today. And then next week, I want to talk about the second part. And I will make you fish for people. Are you, are you with me so far? So, so today, if you're into taking notes, I want to talk to you about being students of life. What does it mean to actually follow Jesus? Like I said, it's that time of the year again where school starts again. And I don't know about you guys, uh, I love this time of the year. It's absolutely one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I love the change of seasons. There's something, this is like my Christmas right now, okay? I just love the changing, you know, from, from, from you know, really crazy hot to now we can wear hoodies. Uh, I love wear, I could wear hoodies all year long if I could. Like, I just love this time of the year. And, and when I think about school, I loved this time of the year because this meant that I wasn't just in school. I was about to play sports. Sports was like my favorite thing about school. Okay, how many of you guys played sports during school? Like, remember those days when you had a game and you couldn't focus in math? Not that you'd ever focus in math, like, but those days specifically, you're like, you're running, you know, all the things you're going to do in a game, and you're amazing in your head, like, you're going to make every play, you're going to score, like, I played soccer and basketball, so, you know, this is soccer season, and so I, I'm like, I'm, it's a hat trick kind of a day. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm going to have three goals and five assists. We're going to win by, like, a lot. Totally unrealistic in soccer. 
if you score one goal in soccer, it's amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I just love this time of the year. There's something about the change of, of, of times. This is a, if you pay attention, the Bible says there's new seasons, right? There's, there's, new, there's new possibilities, right? And that's why I think it's important for us to never stop learning because there's always something fresh and new that's happening if we're paying attention. Can you say Amen. But I got to ask you this question. What kind of student were you? Now, you're in church. Okay. If you were a really good student, right? Raise your hand. If you were a really good student. Like, we hated you guys. Okay. Like, you were a really good student. If, if, you, if you have to plead the fifth on that question, raise your hand. Like, what kind of student I... <laughs> I some of us were like, barely made it. Like... Some of us, the teachers had to have mercy on us. I mean, uh, come on, come on, we in church, can we be honest? Your teacher's like, I have to pass you, kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, some of us hung out with the geeks because we know they would grace us, you know. But, but school was fun. I don't know about you guys, man. I just loved school. And, and, and even even like... The weird part of school, which is studying. You know what I'm saying? You're like, wait, isn't that the point? Uh, no, the point is to hang out. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I come to hang out. I come for cafeteria time. You, you guys remember cafeteria? I went to a school where we had chicken patties every single day of the year, and I had one every single day of the year. I mean, you guys like chicken, like chicken patty was my thing. Especially long days with practice and all that. Like, you, you need chicken patty to get you through your day. You know what I'm saying? Like, never brought lunch to school ever. But I was hustling for chicken patties. Like, I make deals for chicken patties in the cafeteria. You know, lived on chicken. But in Jesus' day, they had school too. right? But their school was a little bit different back in Jesus' day. Back in Jesus' day... You started school around six, which is kind of like where we start school, right? But, but they studied the Bible, the Torah for them, right? So from age six to age 10, they would study the Torah. Why the Torah? Because they believe the Torah or the Bible was the way, the truth, and the life. Like if you're going to learn anything, you need to learn the ways of God, right? And so, but get this, from six to 10 years old, they would study the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And get this, right? This much, they would have it memorized. From the age 10, a 10-year-old will be able to tell you everything about the Torah. That's fine. Y'all don't look impressed. Have you ever memorized... (laughs) I can tell I have bad students in this house. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not like I ever done anything. <laughs> Five books of the Bible. That's right. Memorized from the age six to ten, right? All of them would go to school. And then what would happen is at the age ten, if you were really smart, we get smart, um, you would go to the next level, Okay. But you had to make the cut to go to the next level. That's how the education system worked, right? So, so from 11 to 14, if you were really smart, now you add 
to this. Now you add all the other books, the historical books, the classical books, okay, the prophets, you add this part to your teaching, okay, from 11 to 14. Now, you got to be really smart to get to this point, right? If you weren't smart enough, the only option you had was to learn your family business, okay? So if you weren't smart enough, but some, by the time you're 11, 12 years old, they'll say, uh, you know, Johnny, <laughs> you know, it's time to learn the family business, which at that point, it would be things like fishing, farming, okay? Depending on what your, your family did, that's what you take on. You just learn the family trade, which for some of you guys, places where you grew up, that's how it is, right? You learn your family trade, and that's how your education continues, and then the best of the best are really continue to learn from this. Are you following so far? Now, at 14, if you're really, really, really smart, like Harvard smart, Okay, Oxford smart, Yale smart, Brown smart. Now you go to a whole nother level of education. Now this is like really slim down a few people make the cut. It's kind of like the draft. Okay, you know like every year there's a draft for the NFL, NBA, NHL. But there's thousands of players, but only a few make it. Right? So this is that next level. A 14 what would happen is a, a rabbi, which is a teacher, would come around to test the knowledge of the students. So this teacher would test your knowledge to see if you're able to go to the next level of education. But this next level of education, here's the key thing. They're not picking you just for your smarts. They're picking you to see, can you do what I do? Okay. The goal was not just to get information. Was the goal was, can you take the information and make it applicable where you can also become a rabbi yourself? Are you following? So by the age of 14, you either were working or a rabbi would come around and say, you can come with me. There were many rabbis. Jesus was not the only rabbi that would come around looking for people that would follow them. Are you, are you following this? So if you're good enough, they'll say, Come follow me because I believe you can do what I do. If not, go learn your family trade because you need to make a living and, and contribute to society. But also, you got to start setting yourself up for your future. Are you following? So get this. So when Jesus comes on the scene and, and, and says to these fishermen, come follow me, it tells you a couple of things. Number one is, wait, these weren't the guys that made the cut. Because if they had made the cut, they wouldn't be fishing. Right? And so you see how Jesus does it? The other rabbis pick the best of the best of the best. Jesus says, I'll pick you. That you didn't make the cut. That's the number one thing. The second thing that you have to realize is how young they were. Remember, at 14 is when you begin to learn your family trade. So a lot of times when you watch the Hollywood movies about the disciples, they look scruffy, they look old, they look like they're in their 40s. That's not the cultural understanding of what Jesus did. Most likely, the disciples would be either in their late teenage, teen years or early 20s, okay? which shifts the whole perspective of what we think it is to follow God. Because a lot of times people say, when I'm old and I'm done sowing my wild oats, then I'll... It's like, <laughs> Whatever that is. I've never understood that. 
Um, well, oh, so you guys do that? What do you live in Nebraska? I don't know. Um, so Jesus comes after people that weren't necessarily the best of the best. And when he says, come follow me, he's saying, I believe you can do what I do. I don't know what that does for you, but that tells me that a lot of times we have reduced Christianity to something that Jesus never intended it. Like, we've made Christianity about come to a building. Like, come and be a good person. Come try not to sin. And worst, come and wait to go to heaven. Because I don't know if you understand this, when he says, come follow me, the last thing in their hearts and mind was heaven. They weren't thinking a pie in the sky somewhere. They were thinking right now, our lives are about to change. This moment. So we have made a mess of Christianity. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this this morning, that the man-made version of Christianity is absolutely, utterly boring. Yes. It's boring. No wonder people are sitting in pews in churches everywhere, bored out of their minds. No wonder our kids go to church and play on their phones because we have reduced Christianity to something that Jesus never intended Christianity to be in the first place. He said, come follow me, which means like come and have a hands-on internship with me. You ever done an internship? I had to do an internship to graduate from college, and uh, I was sent to a place called Hagerstown, Maryland. Like, a place where I was driving up, and all I saw was cornfields, and I'm like, I'm not in Kansas. I mean, I am in Kansas. (laughs) And I was in this particular church I was sent to. I was the only non-white person in the place. Okay. And, 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 and to make matter worse, I get there on a Saturday, and the man that I'm supposed to intern under, the youth pastor I'm supposed to intern under, to teach me how to be a youth pastor, I get there on a Saturday. On Sunday, he resigned. <laughs> like, I get there. It was a funeral. The man that was there for years, and he's declaring to the congregation that he's leaving because he's felt called to go somewhere else. Everybody's crying, and here I am in the back like... Uh, the way this internship set up. <laughs> People are crying, walking by me. I'm like, uh, man, this is awkward, to say the least. So my internship ended up being me running the youth ministry. I was supposed to be learning from the guy. I ended up running the youth ministry for three months. And, and, and then two years later, when, I, when they heard about what I was doing, they called me and actually offered me the job to go to Agerstown, Maryland and live there. And, and I... You know, from a flesh perspective, it was a really good deal. They're like, you can come full time. We got a house for you. We're going to pay for you to get your master's. I'm like, hello, Jesus. But then I was like, but Hagerstown, Maryland? (laughs) I'm like, that looks good on paper. But that can't be Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) Cornfields and all that. (laughs) African man. In Agastown, so needless to say, I didn't take the job, you know, but it was, it was an interesting thing because I had to learn, but the good news is, you know, God qualifies you when he calls you, okay, God is the one that qualifies, like, you don't have to be qualified to follow Jesus, he's making a point here, I'm picking you who didn't get picked, 
to follow me. And I want to teach you how to live. So when Jesus says, please write this down. When he says, come follow me, he's not saying, come follow an institution. He's not saying come to a building. That's, that's boring and shallow. He's saying come and see how I live. Because I believe you can live like that too. Come see what I do. Because I believe you can do what I do. A rabbi would never pick you if he didn't believe that you can do the things that he does. The whole point of following a rabbi is to get his worldview entrenched in you so that you can also spread the same yoke that he's spreading. They used to call this the dust of the rabbi. The rabbis would walk ahead of his disciples and they said, there was a tradition that the dust of the rabbi was getting on you so that you can also live out the spread of this rabbi. This is what Jesus had in mind when he called people. When he calls you, this is a, this is a 24-7 did you notice the Bible says they immediately dropped their nets? That used to baffle me. I'm like, when I first got saved, I read that. I'm like, come on. Yeah, right. This is why people don't read the Bible. <laughs> they immediately dropped their nets. Like, who does that? Not even like a two-week notice. You know what I'm saying? No, but you, you understand the reason why they immediately dropped their nets is because Jesus is saying, you can either do this for the rest of your life or you can come on an adventure with me and your life will never be the same again. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that you have. And the parents wouldn't argue with that because they know to follow a rabbi is the ultimate privilege. That's why they're like, word, we don't have to do this. I don't have to just live the same old boring life. I can actually have an adventure because the truth is following Jesus is an adventure. And it's dangerous at times. Like if you haven't had any reasons to feel like, whoa, you're not following Jesus. Like if you haven't had some moments that you're like, God, you're either going to make a way or I'm going to drown in this thing. Like you're not following Jesus. Like if you know how your week is going to go every single week, (laughs) odds are you ain't following close enough. You may have religion, but are you following this Jesus that will disrupt your flow? He will disrupt your system. He will disrupt your everyday life and make it better and more exciting, more dangerous. I didn't say easier. That's the other misconception of church. I'm going to church to find an easier life. Good luck if you're following Jesus. Jesus. You know, if you want religion, yeah, absolutely, man. We can do that. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Done. That's easy. That's easy. That's why he says, if any man wants to come after me, he must first renounce himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Like, I'm going places. I'm going to do things that is going to disrupt the system. It's going to make some people uncomfortable. It's going to make you uncomfortable. Are you in? Are you getting this? It's a lifetime of learning with Jesus on the spot. And the way that he thought is, again, if you read the Bible, he was teaching them on the go. They would have classroom times in synagogues, but most of the lessons were every day. They would be walking into a farm and Jesus would say, you see this farm? Here's how God's word works. You throw seeds 
and he lands on different things. Some will, will, will do really well, some will not do really well. He's saying that that's how human heart are. Right? When he says, come fish for me, he's saying, take what you do and do it for a greater purpose, which I'll get into next week. Right? But I pray, church, we get a fresh look at this Jesus and this calling because I, I'm just looking around churches, and I'm saying churches, and I'm seeing bored people. Like, I didn't realize how bored we are until this week when we got into this whole argument about Joel Osteen. And I'm like, how boring are we? Here's a man changing lives, changing the world, but here we are getting on him for something we don't even know the full story. It tells me how boring we are. Like, like that's what happens when we don't have purpose. We'll look for something to fight. Because if you're not fishing for people, you're fighting with people. Come on. That's what church in the vaping. Like some churches have preached against our church. It's like, how boring are you? With the whole region to reach, you're preaching against another church? Man, get a life in Jesus. How boring. That's absolutely boring. Arguments about theology is absolutely a snooze fest. If you notice that everybody that argues, God is always on their side. Everybody that says who's going to heaven or hell already know they're going to heaven. Have you ever thought about that? That we forget the same God that we're arguing about loves the other person you're arguing with? Right? But our perspective is the only... One time I was teaching, and, and, and one of the eighth graders was saying, well, this is when the war in Iraq was going on, and of course, when you're eighth grade, your theology comes from your parents. This kid said, yeah, I'm so glad we're bombing Iraq. I said, would you be saying that if you were in eighth grade in Iraq? How would your God look like if you lived in Iraq right now? Would you look at America and say, God bless America? It's just a shallow perspective of who God is when we make him on our side. Right? But Jesus is talking something deeper here, a lifetime of learning from him and, and developing a deeper understanding of who God is and what the world is and what people are. Listen, that's a lifetime of having to deconstruct some of the worldviews that we've created for ourselves. Because when I read Jesus, man, he reads me. And he messes with me. Because I'm the Pharisee sometimes. I've told you this. See, Jesus, his focus was always fruits. See, we live in an age of information. Man, we have information overload. We don't have, we don't have time to get through all the information. Right? We don't have, like, we have more information than we can use. The problem is we're lacking in application. Everybody has information. It's the application that's lacking. Everybody can quote the Bible, but it's the applying the Bible. That's where we're lacking. That's where we're struggling. And the worst way to argue is to make your point with a Bible verse. Because anyone can make the Bible say something that you want it to say. There's 1,400 scriptures. I'm sure you can find one to pick up your argument. 
And that was never the point of why we have this. Did you know the point of the Bible was never for you to say you're right and someone else is wrong? Did you know the point was never to prove if God is real or not? Did you see the assumption of the Bible is that they know God already exists? He's not trying to make you believe in God. He's telling you God is real. And the goal is to, is to come after him and to wrestle with him. And when you read in scriptures, it's supposed to read you, not your neighbor. <laughs> One time we missed the whole point. I mean, this thing has been baffling me. I'm like, God, how do I translate this? Because we live in a mess of information. And distorted information. We don't even check if news is real or fake anymore. If it looks good to us, we're sharing it. Every other day, a celebrity is dying without dying. But here we are, RIP, Will Smith. Will Smith's like, I'm still here. Like, fruits, please write this down. Fruits are Jesus' focus, not information. Fruits. He says by your fruits, they'll know. That you follow me. You didn't say by your knowledge. He didn't say by how many Bible verses you know. How many times you go to church. He said by your fruit. What you produce. What you produce will say. You actually. Yeah you, you follow me. So church. If we say we follow Jesus. Is our fruits coinciding with the person that follows Jesus. And I don't mean perfection, because we always go there. Well, I'm not perfect. That's the go-to card. <laughs> I'm talking that. He never said by your perfection. He said by your fruits. What are you producing? What is your life producing? Is your life producing more life? Is your life producing more compassion? Is your life producing more grace? Is your life producing more that is blessing others? Is, if your life is not producing those things, we've got to ask the question, am I truly following Jesus? And what baffles me about this call, he's saying, I believe in you. You ever thought about that? Everybody says we should believe in God. Jesus said, I believe in you. Because a rabbi would never pick you if you didn't believe that you can do the things that he is doing. That's amazing. Jesus said, I believe in you. It's great that you believe in God, but you know that God believes in you. How do we know? He's like, hey, guys. I'm dying, I'm going to be resurrected, but then it's on you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. It will be in you, but it's going to be you going forward with this good news. What is the good news? That God is for people. I think that if we're not reading this thing and I see in the God is for people, we're reading it wrong. If you're reading this and we're putting people in categories, we're reading it wrong. If this doesn't want to make you bridge the gap between you and another person, you're reading it absolutely wrong. Right? If, if this is making you hate another person, you're doing it absolutely wrong. It's not me versus you. It's God, what are you doing in all of us? Where are you taking all of us? Man, if you're not excited about that, I, I can't help you. I just can't. Right? You, you, you have to want to follow Jesus. And you have to want to be in this adventure. You have to want to be uncomfortable. You have to want to want to want to want to want to want something more than just a boring existence of life. 
That's on you. When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the young people all the time, if you're bored, guess who's boring? You are. I'm already an adult. So if you're bored, you're boring. I tell my kids all the time, you're bored, that means you're a boring person. I'm not going to take the weight of the world on me. Come on, you're following. What if God actually believes in us? And he says, you can do what I do. Not, not, not pretend. No, actually do it. What if the point is that you carry the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go and you're doing God's will wherever you are? What if when something comes up, you don't have to call the pastor to pray because you have the authority in you to pray for somebody? What if you don't have to have it all figured out to still be a disciple? Go read the Bible. These guys were clueless. Like so clueless. There were times Jesus was like, are you all ever going to get this? Like, you know you're dealing with some clues. When God says, hmm. And don't act like sometimes you're the one who's like, hmm. I love you though, but you, hmm. Come on. There's so much more than just going to a building and waiting to die. What's fascinating to me is, I got to do, do a study with you on this. The word heaven is not what we believe it is. This is what blows your mind when you study it. When he said the ways of heaven, he was saying the way of living. How did he pray? He said, bring heaven to earth. He didn't say bring earth to heaven. He said bring heaven to earth. Like bring the will of God to where you are. Like tomorrow morning, you're meant to bring heaven to your job. Not purgatory. Some of us walk into a place that's purgatory. <laughs> but God's good though. Like some Christians, I wish they wouldn't call themselves Christians. It's a misrepresentation of what it is. Like they have no joy, no optimism, no faith. They're not looking forward to anything, but God's good. One day when we all get to heaven, God's like, oh, oh, joy. Y'all going to bring that to my house? <laughs> You're bringing that into my house. For real. We focus more on the things that are not working out versus the things that God's already working. That's why I really appreciated the way you responded to the building because a Debbie Downer, we, oh, here we go. I knew it from the start. I just knew it. It wasn't go. Listen, I'd rather go for it and it doesn't work and just find a way. Just find a way. Just keep believing God. I don't want to live in a what if. You know, let's keep finding a way. Put our head down and bash through some things. You know. And then you hear those cute little quotes. When God closes the door. Opens a window. I ain't trying to have no window of a church. I need to bash through some doors. I told a guy this week on Facebook trying to argue me about Joel Osteen. I said, buddy, can I be honest with you? I don't have the energy. This is boring. 
No, what about this and them? I don't care. You should care. I'm like, I don't. I'm not that kind of pastor. I'm not a Facebook theologian. I'm trying to live this thing out in real life. If you're looking for an item, you picked the wrong guy. You know, King James, NIV, I don't care. I really don't care. No, I'm serious. I'm going to put this on record. I don't care. I don't. Because the real argument is, are we doing it? Are we doing the will of Jesus? Not arguing about doing it. King James, that's a medieval king. The real scriptures is before that. That's just the translation of the real thing. Do you speak like that? You don't. We moved on. You're not getting up and going greeting, brethren. Thou fairest this morning, they say. Pretty sure we moved on. What do you say? What up, dog? What's good? We moved on. Same message, same Jesus, different language. Right? When I go to Cape Verde to preach, I'm not preaching. In, they don't even know who King James is. You think God cares? When I go to Belize and talk to these kids in the orphanage, do you think they care about the King James? They care about Jesus and hope and love. If he doesn't work all over the world, then he does, it's not God. It has to work for every humanity. For God so loved the... He loves Iraq. He loves Iran. The biggest revival going on right now in our world is there. While we're arguing, they're following. Hello, somebody. He said, come follow me. Not some rules. Not some do's and don'ts. Not who's in or who's out. The more you spend time checking who's in or who's out, most likely you're out. You're out. I don't want to have a church full of religious people who are in, in our minds, but out in God's will. My God, that will preach. It's not about coming to a building. It's not about waiting to go to some pie in the sky someday. It's about becoming a student of life. It's a lifetime of learning from Jesus and doing what he does. You know what happens when you begin to, I got to wrap up. Grow, you grow in grace. You grow in compassion. You grow in mercy. You grow in courage. It's about being bold. And being bold is not being right. It's not the same thing. Being bold is living it out. It's about being daring. We dare to believe that there's a building. But, but think about it. Has a building stopped us? We've been here for three and a half years. Has the building stopped? It's not about that. It's something bigger than that. Listen, it's about expecting that God is on the move. And I want to be on the move with him. Jesus said the spirit is like the wind. I want to, I want to go with the Holy Spirit wind. Where are you blowing, God? I don't want to miss it. Because I'm too stiff to move. It's about being fluid. It's about rolling with it, with the unexpected that life throws at you, right? 
Isn't that the beauty of, of tragedies like Houston? What does he do? He brings the best out of us. Here's people in New Bedford getting things together to bless people they never left, they never met in Houston. Maybe sometimes God let these things happen to say, listen, pay attention to what really matters. Pay attention to what really matters. Because we're doing things that doesn't, it's about being light in a very dark world. And I don't mean Facebook light. I mean real life. Tomorrow when you go to work, you're light. It's about being salt in a salty world. Everybody is jaded. Everybody's cynic. Everybody's a skeptic. Are we going to join the party? Or are we going to bring a better party? Hey, everybody tells you why things don't work anymore. I want to live a life of possibilities because Jesus says all things work together for the good of those who love God. I want to live with the Jesus that says nothing is impossible to those who believe. It's about being a beacon of hope. In a hopeless society. That's the, that's the point. If it was about heaven, don't you think he would save you and then go ship him up? Maybe saying, oh, you're supposed to bring hope. It's not about walking around slumped all the time. And can I, can I just say something? Again, I'm in that mood. If it's a burden for you to serve in a ministry, please don't. Don't. Sit down. Be boring. Be like everybody else. You know, but if you want to stand out and do something worth doing, then get out of your comfort zone and have joy in you and do something that will bless people. You know, I don't want to hear one more person telling me how tired, how burned out, because what are the other options? To be full of energy but boring. To be sitting at the beach one more day doing absolutely nothing and call their life. Come on. Did Jesus go through all the extreme for us to live these boring lives? Did he die on the cross for us to just say we wear crucifix? Those are the biggest crucifix are the biggest religious people. You have more weight on your neck than you do in life. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm in that mood. I'm in that mood. I believe this. Following Jesus, it's a reminder to others, this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is how you're supposed to live your life. I believe that. I believe in taking it with you tomorrow. I believe it affects your parenting. It affects your marriage. It affects the way you work. It affects the way you behave. It affects you to the point that you don't have to have no one around you to know this is who I am in Jesus Christ. He makes me who I am. Walking with Jesus daily is exciting. Even when nothing happens. Even when... Listen... I pray we understand it's in the mundane that Jesus works. I was telling Aaron as we start this youth ministry, my concern with youth ministry is we have a generation of kids always waiting for the next big thing and miss what's happening right in front of them every day. It's about being here in this moment, living to the full capacity of your will by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you and enabling you to live godly lives. That's the point. Listen, I believe this as I end. You guys can come up. I believe right now in this room, there's three types of people. Those that for the first time, Jesus is saying, you need to come follow me. But notice, he won't force it. 
It's an invitation. It's like you've been to church, but you're not following me. You're a good person, but that's not the point of Christianity. A lot of people are good for nothing. He's saying, for some of you, he's saying, no, it's time you come follow me. Learn from me. See how I do it because I expect you to do the same thing. That's how much I believe. Like God believes in you. That will blow your mind. There's a second type of people that you already said yes to Jesus. My challenge for you is now immerse yourself in his ways. Like, back to school, one of the exciting things about back to school is kids, you know, you remember new clothes? That first day, like, you want to be as fresh as possible. Like, my kids are trying to be fresh. I'm like, but you got uniforms, though. (laughs) Especially my son, Caden, he thinks he's cool. He's like, Dad, I want that uniform sweaters. It's like, yeah, but it's still a uniform, though. Brand new backpack, notebook, right? That first day, man, you popping. But check on that kid three weeks later. Can't find the notebook. <laughs> he just bought pencils all over the place. And I think sometimes that's how I see some people. Excited about Jesus in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks later, what the heck happened to you? Where were you? Why did you stop using the school supplies that he gave you? Why did you stop using all the stuff that he blessed you with? He didn't go anywhere. Jesus didn't go anywhere. You did. He was never lost. And you're like, what are the school supplies? Well, he gave you prayer. Why did you stop praying? He gave you the Bible. Why did you stop reading? He gave you ministry. Why did you stop serving? He gave you uh, the desire to, to, to make more disciples. Why did you stop sharing? And he said to display it, why'd you stop living it? He still loves you. I don't think he's mad at you. But are you missing the point? If you're in that category. Then there's a third category. You said yes to Jesus a while ago. Now all you talk about Jesus is in the past. I remember when I used to be. I remember the day I said yes to Jesus. So where, where did he go? Because it's a lifetime of learning and growing and expanding. Like your understanding of Jesus is supposed to evolve with time. You're supposed to have a better understanding of grace and love and compassion. Like you should be making more disciples if you've been following Jesus for a while. Like you have a greater capacity now to all that stuff that you learned was supposed to be passed on. Like you're in a point now, you're not just a disciple, you are a discipler. That's the beauty of this thing. The more I keep it to myself, the more he dies. In the Old Testament, God says, I will feed you once a day. Just get enough for the day. My mana is for you for this day. Don't try to, don't try to hoard it. It's going to go bad. And they, you know, human beings, I'm going to see if God is for real. Some people hoard it. The next day they're like, oh, it's all filthy and it's filled with worms and God says no it's just for the day it's for the day some of us we stop coming to him for fresh mana for fresh revelation for fresh touch for fresh perspective when you said I've decided to follow Jesus he woke up every day and he would get up and the disciples were like oh we gotta go Jesus is up 
When you get up in the morning, it's the Holy Spirit saying, good morning. Let's live this thing out together today. So if you're talking about Jesus in the past tense, most likely you've missed it. And you need to come back. You know, today, church, I feel like one of those old school days where we need to make a fresh confession of Jesus. Not, not just the new people, but the old ones as well. Yeah. To say, like, I, I'm, I'm, I want a fresh commitment to you, Lord. I'm here to follow you. I'm here to walk with you. Would you stand with me? As we sing the song today, church, I'm going to call us, the church, to do what the disciples did. They dropped their nets and they immediately followed him by faith today. Listen, this is not time to move around. We have to stop moving around when we're making the most important part of the service, which is leading people to Jesus. Okay? This is why we miss it. We do the religious thing and then we leave. We're missing the point. The point is to get to Jesus. This is the most important part of our day. To say, God, I heard you. Now I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond. Today I'm calling the church to respond. Not just some people, but all of us to respond. As we sing this song, I've decided to follow Jesus. I pray by faith, you do a a step of faith and say, I'm going to drop whatever I have going on right now. I need to come forward, God. I'm responding to your calling to be your disciple this morning in Jesus' name. If that's you, as we sing this, come forward. Let's, Let's respond to Jesus. Thank you for listening. I hope that did encourage you and that you can share it with someone who needs to hear from God. We're excited about the Nights of Hope that's coming up on September 15 to 17. Three days of great worship music and powerful teaching on the hope that we have in Christ. I hope you can join us. Let us know that you're coming on our Facebook event page. And we hope to see you soon. God bless.